0: Welcome to Anchor Real Estate Advisors podcast. We are glad that you're here. For the next 12 weeks, we are going to be diving into our current series that we're teaching at Anchor Real Estate Advisors called Back to Basics. Over the next 12 podcasts, you'll hear topics ranging from the back end of running a business to how do I market myself? What do I need to do to get my real estate business started? How do I work with an investor? And how do I communicate effectively with my clients and other agents? So get your pen and paper ready and start taking notes. Good Monday morning. Today is November the 29th, 2021. We are back for our back to basics. This is week number eight. We trust that you had a wonderful week with your family celebrating Thanksgiving. And we are glad that you are back to be a part of This continuation of the series, Back to Basics. And we are in week number eight, as I've already said, the week prior and and all the weeks have just been incredible uh, value. And and I trust that you've found value in listening, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening to the podcast, uh, we trust that it's helped you. And I've spoken to a couple of agents at other brokerages that I've just shared, you know, in passing about our podcast and the feedback that we're getting from the content that we're sharing has been incredible. So it's not just Anchor, it's it's so much more than that. And, and we're excited to be able to put this out on those platforms, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, and then of course on YouTube. I don't want to take too much time this morning because we have a heavy hitter, we have a rock star, we are having Hannah Branham talk to us this morning about real estate investing. And so the title of today's content is going to be Real Estate Investing 101. Uh, Just a few stats about Hannah. Um, Hannah's only been in real estate since October of 2019. So that is just over two years and a month, two, two years and two months. And just this year, 2021, In the midst of this crazy market, these these over asking price offers, uh, she she is on track to close 140 homes, 140 plus homes. She's really on track for 145, 150, but we all know how real estate transactions go. Uh, She is 25 million in volume and she is under 30 years old. So Hannah has, has been in my life for a while now, probably 2017, 2018, and you know, came into real estate and filled a gap with, with our investor that uh, we partner with in Atlanta. And, and Hannah is just absolutely, she's an animal. She's, she's a beast and I'm not trying to be uh, disrespectful by any means, but when you start clearing a hundred plus transactions in a year, You're doing something right. Not everybody can do that. So be ready to take notes. Hannah, thank you for being here this morning. And the floor is yours. I'm excited to hear what you have to say.
1: Hi, everybody. Um, So happy to be with you guys this morning. Um, Thank you, Cody, for the kind introduction. Um, I'll just say, really quickly, to add on to it, you know, I started my real estate career a little bit backwards um normally you hear agents they start in residential um just like owner occupants traditional real estate and then they start to diversify whether that's commercial investment you know multifamily, whatever that looks like for them um but I really started backwards I started straight into a niche with investment um which now that I understand real estate and I understand you know what it takes to be a good listing agent a good buyer's agent um I started in the right place I you know I'm not the feelings person. I'm definitely the like logic. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. So the investment piece really has just clicked for me. Um, And I think that segues into a good place to talk about just investing in general. Um, Investors and owner occupants, they are just worlds apart. You know, we're all people, right? We're all people, but investors and owner occupants are just going to operate on totally different scales. when I'm working with an investor, I have to understand that that investor is going to look at a property, and they're going to use logic and facts to make a decision. That's it. You know, does this make sense? Can I make a return on this if I buy it at this price? I have to put this much into it, and I can sell it for X. It has to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't fit. Um, owner-occupants, traditional home buyers, they're going to use their emotions and their feelings to make decisions, and we've all been there and had that pain of the owner-occupant, it just doesn't feel right. And there's nothing tangible, it's just, it doesn't feel right. Um, and that would be my probably biggest thing on the surface level of what makes investors and owner-occupants different. Um, but this really translates not just into buyers, but it also translates into your sellers. You know, when you're working with a traditional owner-occupant uh, seller, they might have an emotional attachment to their home. And they might be just adamant. I want my home sold to people. I don't want it sold to an investment group. I don't want it sold to a hedge fund. I want it sold to people. And subsequently, when you're reviewing offers with this owner-occupant seller, you might be looking at the offer as the agent saying, this offer is $30,000 higher from the hedge fund. Why aren't we looking at this? Why? And the seller is simply just, they love their home. They want to know That people are moving into that house, people who are going to have Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and all the holidays in that home. Um, You know, that's probably something I would definitely look at. But when we look at buyers, you know, again, to touch on it, the owner occupants are sold on how they feel about the home, the area, the school district, the way the light comes into the house. Um, but investor buyers are just totally sold on a different thing. It's their profit margins. It's the comfortability with the scope of work that they might have to do into a property, whether that's just, you know, cosmetic or we're going in and we are doing a full rehab here. Um, and sometimes it's even just on the basis of, I got to keep my crews busy. This house doesn't really make sense, but my guys are like, you know, clamoring for work and I have to keep them busy. Um, so really when we talk about investors and owner occupants, the biggest thing that I can say is just, they operate differently. We have to treat them differently with an investor. We're bringing the cold, hard facts. It's here's the comps. Here's the scope of work. Here's the finish level that you have to put into this house, whether that's builder grade or, well, no, you don't even do builder grade. You can go lower. You can go higher simply because here's the houses that have sold in the area. But when we are working with owner occupants, we have to be so aware of the feelings and what's not being said. um, Because investors will tell you exactly how they feel and just tell you it's not not for me. But the owner-occupant, we have to be so aware of, you know, what they're not saying, what the body language is saying when they come into the property, you know, how their face looks when they pull up to the house. Um, So really just diving into your own self-awareness when you are dealing with you know, owner-occupants versus the investor is crucial. Um, I move from there into talking about the 70% rule. Some people have probably heard about this. Some people might be like, what's the 70% rule? And it goes into what are investors looking for? You know, what are investors looking for? You know, some investors, I can say they're just looking in pockets. They only wanna be in Douglas County. They only want to be in, you know, a certain area of Cobb County and why it's because they understand the market. They understand the buyer's sentiment. They understand, you know, the houses because they've done 70 in that area and they know the pitfalls to look out for. They have the relationships, with the county permitting offices. They already have buyers in that area because it's an agent who's sourcing their own transactions. So some investors are simply looking to stay in their own area of town. Um, Really, if you want to boil it down really simply, investors are just looking for assets to invest their capital into that will produce high level return with minimal risk if you just want to make it really simple um, but you know investors are funny creatures you know you have to ask, well how do you get to that purchase price? It's like, how did you get to thirty thousand dollars below purchase price? How did you get to sixty thousand dollars above purchase price? How did we get here? And some investors would say, well, I use the seventy percent rule um, and I don't wanna say that's a tired way of thinking, but when you're working with an investor, if you hear the 70% rule, know that there's some fallacy to it and I'm gonna pull up a calculator for us. So what the 70% rule is, is 70% of ARV. What is ARV? ARV is after repair value. So you know this property looks like crap, but after we do our work to it, here's what we expect to sell it for, ARV. So 70% rule is 70% of ARV Minus whatever you think it's going to cost to renovate equals your potential purchase price. Really, there's problems with this, right? Because it's not factoring in your uh-oh factor of you opened up the wall and there's mold, and somehow somebody missed that there's PVC, you know, plumbing in here, and it, it, there's no counting for uh-oh factor, there's no counting for commission for holding costs, for settlement charges, for closing costs, for lender fees. There's no thought into it. So 70% rule can work. I would just say huge, huge, huge grain of salt when you're using it. You know, the problem really becomes guys, when you're using, let's just say a lower purchase price, $100,000 is your ARV, right? 100K, 70%, $70, $70,000, great, fabulous. Let's just say we're thinking that it's going to make take $35,000 to get it there. So minus $35,000. So we think that we can offer in the ballpark of $35,000. Okay, that's great. And we look at that and say, wow, that's a $65,000 return because the ARV is 100. But let's really get technical. So I always say it's $5,000 more than what we expect. So $35,000 is a total minimum renovation budget. $35,000 $35,000 is the minimum you should ever tell an investor it's going to take the house to get there. Period, end of story. $35,000. So, let's call it 40. So, we're at $75,000 in on a
2: $100,000 ARV house. Commissions, closing costs,
1: what money does this leave for your investor at the 70% rule? It really leaves no money for your investor. And we have that issue too, when you get into higher price point houses, if we're talking about a $700,000 house, um, the 70% rule can work and you will hear it tossed around a ton in the investment field. You just have to be really careful. You know, um, There's a lot more number crunching, in my opinion, that needs to be done there than just saying, fabulous, we can offer you $35,000, $40,000. Um, so I would, you, you'll hear the 70% rule. I highly advised, just caution on it. <laughs> um, you know, I move from there into talking about serving investors. You know, um, investors are just different. Like I said, you know, they're just a different breed. They're different creatures. Um, the first thing I think is important to talk about is your commission. We all have a price point. We all have a tag. You know, we cannot say that the industry standard is 3%. We cannot say that. We never say that. We never say that industry standard is 3% or 6%. We don't say it. But the common question when you interact with a lot of investors, they're going to come to you and they're going to, first thing they want is they want to haggle you on your commission. On the buying side, you're representing the investor purchasing the property. You know, the haggle is, is, well, if you just lower your commission, I'll give you the back end listing, you know, at the homes listed and You know, it's beautiful and we're going to put it on the market. On the listing side, there's the promise that becomes well, you're going to be our listing agent. I'll use you on all my flips, I'll use you on all the transactions, right? Um, And I'm not here to tell you how to run your business or what to charge on your commission. I don't know, you know, what your needs are in life, but what I will encourage you to do is just know your worth and understand that if this client is seeking you out, And your expertise, whether that's word of mouth or they found you through marketing, whatever it is, that comes with a price tag. So, you know, whatever it is that you feel comfortable saying, here's what I offer, here's what I can do, here's my skill set, here's what I can do for you, but my commission rate is blank. You know, that is something that I just don't come off of personally, because for me, it's, I know what I bring to the table. I know that I'm busy. And if you're not willing to pay me what I know I'm worth, yeah, that 1% commission just is not worth my headache. No, absolutely not. Um, So, my first word of caution with work being investors is just know how to hold your ground. Investors are pushy. Investors will, you know, as long long as you let them, they will do it. You know, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. Um, And not to say all, but to say that most is probably pretty true. Um, you know, I think next is the relationships. I've talked a lot about investors being very logical and they're, you know, thinking about their profit margins, but they're still consumers. (laughs) They're still people with feelings and they're still people with needs. And, you know, think about how you treat your traditional clients, how you treat, you know, Susie who's buying her first home. You know, you just send them listings. It's sometimes listings that don't really make sense. And like, maybe it's not the bed bath count they originally said, it's not the area they originally said, it's not the this they originally said, but it's just the thoughtfulness behind it and the intention. And, you know, I always want to ask like, what intention are we operating from when we're serving our clients? And if the intention is, I want my client to succeed, period, whether that's they buy this house with, you know, somebody else, obviously, we don't want that. But you know, The intention needs to always be, I want my client to succeed. I want my investor to succeed. I want my investor to make a good profit when they flip this house, period. So when I say investors are these more logical creatures, it doesn't mean that we eliminate the kindness that we would treat any consumer with. So I just want to say that. (laughs) Um, But I really have found for myself that the investment game is it's all relationships period, as is anything in life, right? Relationships, Um, whether that's your relationships with wholesalers, investment firms, um, people in county offices, because you need a payoff and that stupid county has not given you the payoff and it's been a month. You know, this is a relationship business. Real estate is a relationship business. And we don't eliminate that even though we're in the investment game. You know, so for somebody who is just trying to figure out the investment side of business, um, my suggestions would be one, getting plugged into like meetup groups, real estate meetup groups. You know, some of them are kind of a waste of time for sure. But if you find one that like works and you're making meaningful connection in it, great. Um, Then find out who's selling property near you, not just like on the MLS. But like, you know, I I know that sometimes the word wholesaler, you know, brings up some bad feelings in people, Um, but there are companies that do it right, you know, but I would say find who is in your market and who's selling off market, Peagley, Jar House, New Western, you know, American homes, like whoever it is, find an off market source because your investors will love you if you can find off market properties, they love you if you can. Um, so relationships, um, but you as the agent, the investment game moves quickly, the real estate market right now in general moves quickly, but the investment game moves even quicker. (laughs) Um, so you need to be ready to go. You know, when you're bringing your investor to the property, you're not just going there and you're like opening up the combo box and great. And okay, look at the house. And then we're going to go home and think about it and sleep them on it. Like, absolutely not. (laughs) You need to be ready. You need to have your comps. You need to know your own idea of renovation budget. If you don't know how to calculate renovation budget, Google literally best friend. You know, find it. But you need to have your own idea of renovation budget (ARV). Bring the ARV comps, finish level. You know, you have to have these things ready to go because there's really not time in the investment game to say, "I'm going to think about it. Let me let me sleep on that." Um, So you as the agent, you know, again, it's intention. If your intention is the best thing for your client, these things should already be done far before you even step foot in that property. And they're like driving to the showing done. Um, So those are the things that I think with serving investors that are pretty important. Um, If I had to pick one over everything else, it's relationships. You know, this whole business is relationships. I've closed deals on relationships. Um, you will get your offer chosen over more competitive offers on relationships. Um, I can't tell you how many times as a listing agent I've advocated for the slightly lower offer simply on relationships, simply because I know that person closes. I know that buyer closes. I know that agent performs. They don't mess around. Um, so creating space for yourself and your market, wherever that is, um, your relationships, your person you're when people think of you what do they think of and you want them to think of you as a closer not a clown who messes around and doesn't close um and then something that i think is really important in the investment game that a lot of people are maybe not as familiar with is um you know i have this conversation quite frequently with people i'm on the phone Can you tell me a little bit about your buyer? Are they cash? Are they conventional? What's their financing? Oh yeah, well, they're hard money, but it's the same thing as cash. No, Um, and you know, for those of you who aren't in the investment game, you might say, what is hard money? Um, Hard money is a form of a loan. So when you are in the investment space where really only a cash offer works, right? This house is so dilapidated that there's no way that it's going to get any sort of financing period. Um, cash and hard money are your two options. And a lot of folks are just not familiar with what hard money is. Um, And I wanna just put it in bold and underscore it and highlight it and say hard money is not cash. Hard money is not cash. It doesn't matter if the agent or the buyer says that they've done 10,000 deals with this hard money lender. Um, It's just not money that the buyer can just wire into the attorney's office and close tomorrow if they wanted to. There are contingencies and hoops to jump through. So hard money is a type of loan. Um, It's an easier loan. Certainly it's an easier loan. Um, A lot of these institutions are not doing credit utilization. They might look at your credit. That's really not what they're looking for though. Um, They're looking at the potential buyer and the property and they're calculating risk. Um, Whether they're looking at that and saying as the buyer, how many flips have you done? How much liquid cash do you have? When they're looking at the property, they're saying, you know, what can this actually be sold for? You know, what actually needs to be done to this home? And each lender is going to have different requirements, you know, for their loan terms. Um, You know, from my experience, the industry standard as far as what you could expect on um, interest is going to be 8 to 12%. And that's totally dependent on your experience level. Um, a more experienced buyer who's done a ton of flips with the same company for years, they're probably going to exist on the lower end of the spectrum, but a buyer just entering into the investment game, just doing their first couple of flips, expect that higher rate. Um, Then, you know, your buyer, if you're using hard money, your client is using hard money, they're going to have to have money in the bank. This is not free money that is just, you know, Given to you. There is a quote unquote down payment. And again, that's also going to come off of your experience level and then also based off of property um, purchase price. You could probably expect to see anywhere between 10 to 30% for what the client is going to have to put down. Um, but as far as your contingencies, you know, most of the time your lender is going to do some sort of appraisal. Some are going to do a true appraisal where they're sending out the appraiser to the property and they're driving the street and they're doing all the things. Some lenders, they'll just do a desktop appraisal and say, okay, yeah, here's the numbers. Here's the things, here's that. Um, But what's going to be important for you, let's just say you're the listing agent or the buyer's agent, is you need to have an idea of renovation budget because the lender is going to come and they might ask the listing agent, they might ask the buyer's agent, and they might say, how much are you expecting to have to get this to... And they'll give you a comp, you know, to get it to the quality of one, two, three main street. How much do I have to do to get there? So really you need to know your ARV. You need to have an understanding of renovation budget so that you are having an educated conversation with your lender. Um, So hard money versus cash. Again, hard money is not cash. Um, One of the things I do want us to go over is when you're looking at... Offers. When you're looking as a listing agent, you're looking at offers. And how do I know if an offer is good? You know, how do I know if this investor offer is good? You know, first, again, you need to understand your client. What's the client's need? Does the client want to close quick? Does the client want, you know, what is the client looking for? Um, In the investment game, I like to think that really this is just a terms game. I say this to agents all the time. It's not always just your price. Sometimes it is just your terms. And um, Cody, if there's a way I'd like to share my
2: screen. Oh, no, I can't do that. Um, Can you make it so that I can share my screen?
0: Cool. Yeah, you should have that ability now, share screen at the bottom. Cool. All
1: right, so I'm gonna show you guys um, two offers. One is going to be the accepted offer. And then one is the offer that was not accepted. This was the offer that was not accepted. Okay.
2: $228,000. I think this property was listed for like seventy-eight-five. dollars $1,000 earnest money. Closing December 4th. 20-day DD what? 20-day appraisal and finance
1: contingencies. And this was a quick close. This offer was written on October 31st, and we're looking at closing December 4th. Um, I think we reviewed offers like beginning of November. So we're talking about almost up until closing, this person can just walk away. Just walk away. So 20-day contingencies on all, you know, on all rates. This person was using hard money. The agent wrote this up as a conventional loan, which was really strange. And to me said, this agent really doesn't understand hard money um, because you would be using an all cash sale exhibit with hard money, you would not be using this.
2: Um, Yeah, this is fine. No big deal. Okay, so this is the offer that was
1: not accepted this is a super aggressive, you know, price. <laughs> this is great. You know um, I would love to have been able to accept this offer, but here's what was accepted. $183,000. This is only a few bucks above list price. $2,500 earnest money. This is a little bit better than thousand dollars on a almost $230,000 purchase.
2: No due diligence. These steps were nothing really
1: special. It was a $5,000 flat fee commission. The rest of this was pretty, just not very exciting. All cash sale exhibit, no cash sale contingencies, no appraisal contingency. So when we really start talking about what makes a good offer in the investment game, I don't always say it's numbers. It's not always who's giving me the most money. It's who's going to close, you know, because my goal as the listing agent is not to collect earnest money. I don't care about your earnest money. I care about closing, okay? And what we're looking for really when as an investor listing agent is we're looking at terms. Sometimes that just comes down to, we're looking at a conventional offer because the home is totally livable, right? Like just needs carpet paint, new fixtures, new appliances. Is the conventional offer worth accepting and going through the headache of going through the conventional contingencies, having to do all the things and burning, you know, putting off your cash offer and hoping and praying that if this conventional offer falls through, that might be higher, might be significantly higher because they're not looking at profit margins. Is it worth burning your cash offer for? Is it worth saying, okay, like go away cash buyer, go find something else to go and you know, buy, and then we hope that the conventional offer closes. So again, terms, I think that all I can really say about the investment side of things is when you're looking at it, you know, we're looking at being as risk, you know, low risk as possible. You know, what likelihood is it more so that we're going to close? Um, But yeah, that's kind of my take on the investment stuff. Um, I'm happy to answer questions or expand on anything.
0: So I have a question, Hannah, and then we'll we'll field questions after the meeting so we can get this up on the podcast and YouTube. So just just one thing: if if you had an agent come to you and say, Hannah, you know, how do I get started into you know working with or exclusively working with an investor, and then you know, maybe if you can guide them on that and then maybe what is, what is your biggest struggle of, of working with investors? So answer those two questions and then we can, we can wrap up and do question and answer after this.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, so I think if you're just like trying to find an investor, it's, it's the same answer you would, you know, give anybody who's looking for something, right? If you're looking to go to lose weight, you go to the gym. If you're looking to date, you like put yourself in situations that like you would find other single people. So it's like putting yourself in the right rooms um, and whether that's, and I know it sounds corny, it's getting on the Facebook groups that, you know, don't look that exciting. It's getting on things like connected investors, which is a website. Um, It's going to the real estate meetups. It's sometimes like even just sort of being in the proximity and knowing agents who are doing this um, because I am giving referrals like, cause I cannot take on other investors at this point in my business. So it's like knowing the right people. Um, it's literally just proximity. It's just putting yourself in the right rooms to have the right conversations. Um, again, relationships, this business is about relationships. Uh, and then I think the biggest struggle that I've had in this is um, you know, it's been relationships Um, because you know, it has been the opposite of it. We're like, I'll really like somebody and they really like me. And like, we actually hang out and like we get coffee and we get dinner. And like, you know, we're, we're actually buddies, like outside of this business. Right. And especially in this day and age of, you know, real estate, it's this buyer put in a $50,000 above list price offer with no contingencies at all. And like, I still can't accept their offer. And like, I have to call back my like BFF and tell them, I'm really sorry. I know your offer was ridiculously above list and I knew you were going to close, but there was just something better. Um, So sometimes like the relationships, as great as the relationships are and as necessary as they are, um, there's definitely like a thorn to that rose as well. Um, so that's definitely been a difficult thing for me is like trying to create boundaries and like space within my business and saying like, okay, we can be friends, we can hang out, but like, it doesn't mean you get a foot in the door. It doesn't mean that if you submit an offer, you know, your BFF is going to get this accepted for you. You know, it's like, we can have a relationship, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get every single property that you want.
0: Excellent. Hannah, thank you so much. I've got two pages full of notes. You know, one of the things that I've been doing the last couple of meetings is is highlighting, you know, the things that stuck out. And I, I really want to pinpoint whether you're working with an investor or on the traditional real estate side, you've got to know your worth. You are valuable, and people will try to see if you really understand your value and know your worth. And then, what intention are we operating from with our clients? I mean, you, you couldn't have said it better, right? Where is our heart at? Are we truly wanting to serve our buyers, our sellers, and our investors? Where you know, the investors, like Hannah has has mentioned, that they can sometimes be difficult to work with because it's logic, it's not emotions. And the other thing you said, real estate is a relationship business. And and that is exactly what it is. If you want to work with investors, I highlighted this, put yourself in the right rooms, right? And I want to be known as a closer, not a clown. So, Hannah, thank you so much for being here. And I think we're going to have one more session with Hannah on Back to Basics. We're going to get that scheduled. But we trust that you're going to take this. You're going to go out. You're going to look for opportunities because opportunities are all around you. So thank you again, Hannah, for being here. And we'll see you next week for Back to Basics. You guys have a wonderful
2: day.